Welcome to the She Is podcast. Come join us as we share with each other the stories that make us who we are. Our hope is that you're challenged and encouraged to keep boldly writing your story. I'm so glad that you guys joined us today. For Mother's Day, we're doing something a little bit different. We have two daughters that are going to share a story about their mom. And I'm really excited for you to hear Seiko's story. Today, I have um, Seiko Groves. And before she shares the story about her mom, I would love for her to tell us a little bit about herself. My name is Seiko, and uh, I attend Graceway. I've attended here since I was carrying my oldest son in 2004. Um, I'm on the worship team. That's uh, an absolute joy. My mom also attends here. Um, I have five children, um, ranging from 17 to five. And um, I'm a songwriter. I sing, and um, that's also a, a joy around here in Kansas City. So. Yeah, I love seeing your smile up on the stage. <laughs> Seiko brought a story about her mom today, and I'm going to try not to cry as you read it. <laughs> but uh, I'm really, really excited for you to share this. Uh, uh, it's an honor. Um, one of my biggest impressions from childhood is when my mom would gather the four of us children together for Bible reading and prayer before bed. Um, she was a single mother. There were four of us. And uh, we would sit together in the living area uh, where she would assign us each Bible verses to memorize and internalize. Uh, I do think that my mom's verse assignments were based on characteristics she would see in each of us or ways that she saw us struggle. And yeah, she would get us all the way together if we thought about nodding off to sleep during uh, this time. And um, I, I do appreciate that old school way because, you know, you just don't play around when it comes to the Lord. Like when it's time to pray, it's time to pray. When it's time to go to church, you know, you you dress a certain way and you don't fall asleep in the pews, all of that. Um, we don't really do that anymore, but um, I, I don't know. I appreciate it. <laughs> Um, so growing up, we moved around a lot. Uh, it was just my mom and us. And I look back on these times of meeting with God as a family with humor, uh, with reverence. And the more that the years go by, uh, the more I feel gratitude. Um, I, I picture our different locations from a house in Kansas City, Kansas, to um, our home even in Guam. And um Guam might sound kind of random, but um, to explain, my mother is from Micronesia. She's from the Palau Islands. So we lived there with family when I was a kid for about a year. And that was a, a major um, base for us as far as this kind of gathering time. Uh, for me, you know, pretty strong memories there. Um, some of these seasons in our lives were not the most stable. And as I know now, more than ever, my mom uh, had a whole world inside of herself as a woman that she had to navigate, sometimes alone. So as all of us do, she wrestled and struggled with her own hurts and her own desires. And I don't know if she had like an outlet uh, a lot of these times to express those. Um and as a child, I didn't see or frankly care about those things. <laughs> like she was my mom and her job was to take care of me. That's all I knew. And uh, <laughs> unfortunately, it's taken uh, <laughs> probably almost my whole life to kind of see her as her own woman and, you know, care about those things in her and not just somebody who like 
is there for me. Like she's been so great at it. <laughs> it's just you get used to it. Um, so she dealt with her pain sometimes with alcohol. Uh, she has given me permission to share this, and I'm grateful because I really wanted to express a memory that today speaks powerfully into my own walk with Jesus. Uh, this was when we lived in Guam. My mom called us into the living room to do our nightly gathering. Uh, she was not sober. She sat in her normal spot with empty cans of beer at her feet. But she called to us, and we read our word, and we said our prayers. Um, she had to have been in some kind of pain or struggle that night, but uh, even inebriated, she fought to get us all to the throne, along with herself. Um, thinking back, uh, you know, she could have just gone to sleep or stolen away to sit in her pain. Lord knows I've done that, you know, plenty of nights. But she called us all in there and taught us the word and led us in prayer. And that is uh, by far one of the most moving memories to me. And thinking back now, it has probably informed many of my power verses, my Bible verses that I cleave to the most today. Um, when I asked her if I could share this memory with the beer cans and everything, her first reaction was to laugh and dismiss what she probably perceived as like a hot mess. But I shared with her that for me now, it's not. Uh, it helps me be a mom and a woman who has permission to struggle, to fail even, and freely go to the throne of grace anytime. If I need to stumble there, I'm going to go. If I'm not in good shape, there is still nowhere else for me to go but to Jesus and ha just have him deal with me. And to utter praise and honor to him, knowing that those utterances are unshakable truths in the midst of like pretty much having nothing else to give. I saw that in my mom through a lot of tough phases as a family. You know, we will go to church. We will exercise making the word of God priority, even if it's not done perfectly. We will come together. We will talk about it. You know, as for me in my house, that verse, Joshua twenty four fifteen, it was real life. Um, I don't think she consciously thought of it that way, but that's even better because she lives it. You don't have to be perfect to call in the name of Jesus. You don't have to have it together to approach the throne. We don't have to have all the answers. We can feel buried in our mistakes, but it can always be a yes to Jesus. Um, trusting Jesus is simply the way to go because he knows us, he heals us, and he responds in ways that will never fail us, and it, they make us new and whole. So um, an, another interesting thing she would do is give us prayers, uh, beautiful ones from her Catholic background. I was assigned to memorize and recite this gorgeous prayer of St. Francis of Assisi. And it's been a long time, but um, it, it goes like this. Uh, Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there's hatred, let me sow love. Where there's injury, pardon. Where there's doubt, faith. Where there's despair, hope. Where there's darkness, light. Where there's sadness, joy. O Divine Master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it's in giving that we receive, and it's in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it's in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen. What a thing to pray at like eight years old. Uh, to this day, I want to be this person. <laughs> um, I... 
confess that I have not been as good at gathering my children the way that she did. Probably most of my Bible knowledge started in those rooms. Every verse I know seems to come from that time together. To be able to hide the Word of God in my heart at an early age because it's simply something we did, I I think that's absolutely priceless. So I just want to say thanks, Mom. (laughs) Mm, Nice. Yeah, that story is just really touching. I think as a mom— you know, seeing your mom in her struggle and still seeing you guys and seeing how important it was to to bring you guys along. I just oh, yeah. feel yeah so touched by that. Yeah. It's so, kind of like ingrained into my, my fibers now. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, too, when I was reading it, I thought, what a beautiful permission that she was giving you mm, to be amen. imperfect. Yeah. Um. You shared a little bit of it took you a long time um, to see that your mom was struggling during that time. Yeah. I love that you felt secure. Hmm. And yeah. but I was curious, what do you at what point in your life did you start to see her struggles too, or um, was was there a point that you remember thinking, oh, she's got something. <laughs> going on yeah, probably when I became a mother oh interesting <laughs> um you know there's that threshold that you cross there is before kids and after everything changes you see things from it with new eyes mm-hmm. and you see like how much your children are dependent on you and you start thinking you know I want to be my own person too and then I'm uh, looking up like whoa my mom probably felt that way for a very long time, you know, doing it all by herself. Um, and to have not been mindful of that at all, um, that that's something <laughs> mm-hmm. that hit that hit that hits me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I am curious, your mom living um this struggle kind of out loud. Um, yeah. how has that affected the way that you parent your kids? Um, going to church faithfully is, is major. And it, again, it's like not something that I'm conscious of. Um, it's just something that is ingrained inside. So, um, again, not perfect at it. You know, I, I'm here almost every Sunday, but not every Sunday. And I can't even take all my kids at the same time <laughs> sometimes. Um, but most of the time, man, we're, we're here. And, um, it's been really fruitful in my kids' lives. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's a major part of it to, to be connected with a church community is big because I, I think of the flip of the opposite. And I'm like, what if we just didn't go to church? What if they didn't have this community? Um, it, things would be really, really different mm-hmm. uh, in not a good way <laughs> yeah. right now. And um, I do gather my children. It's not the same like she was very like (laughs) intentional you know I we have our family meetings of sorts um if if there's an issue in our home um I will like get them together and we'll go through bible study or or, you know definitely pray about stuff and um talk through things and that feels natural because she did that with Mm -hmm. us you know yeah it wasn't like we're getting in trouble 
the the, the meeting of like <laughs> once a year. <laughs> well, they don't like when I say family meeting. Because <laughs> we're anticipating. <laughs> the last couple of years have been tough, you know, through the mm-hmm. pandemic and everything. We've, we've had a lot of adjustments. So um, family meeting <laughs> can be Taking pretty heavy. Yeah. yeah. But now I sometimes I use it to kind of mess with them. <laughs> So it's not going to be heavy. Like, we just need to talk about something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Well, um, you read the that prayer to us. I love that prayer. And um, I am curious, what part of that prayer is touching your life right now? Um, that kind of mobilization part of it, um, that going first, you know, and being mindful um, you know, let me not so much seek as to be consoled as to console. Um, I, I think of that verse, you know, where he, he loved us first and, um, to exemplify that in my life, I, I don't think of it as a duty, as a, like a moral duty. I just think of it as a beautiful, um, just the beautiful fruit of God where you're even that the Holy Spirit would even move you to be mindful of something like that. Um, and to have the confidence that he pours that into you mm-hmm. so you can give that out with confidence because he's doing it already first. Um, you know, when you're tuned in, when you're trusting with your life, when you're listening to him, and, you know? Um, so I think that kind of mobilization part of that process is, um, you know, is less of a duty, you know, even mm-hmm. though there's a beauty in that too, it's less of a duty than, you know, it's just, it's an example of Jesus. It's just what he does. And when he lives on the inside of you, it's what your life, you know, looks like, mm-hmm. hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> well, and as you were talking, I was thinking about um, how things have kind of come full circle, you know, with your mom, she went first. Yeah. And, <laughs> um, and now as a mom, you're going first too. And so, yeah, I just, I love that. So um, I was curious if you would be willing to share a couple of the verses that your mom had you memorize. (laughs) I know you said they might've been a little pointed. Oh man, there's (laughs) there's some humorous ones. Um, Like a couple of like humorous ones that I know if my siblings, any of them listen to this, they'll get a chuckle out of this, but um, one of them is like Proverbs twenty six three. Like I don't know why we always kept coming back to this, just to get some laughs out of it. But a whip for the horse, a bridle for the donkey, and if you know the King James version, there's another word for donkey, and a rod for the fool's back. Um, we just the way this verse is laid out is so funny to me, and it's just like get it together. <laughs> <laughs> this is how it looks, baby. Right. So, um, and then another one. Um, Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Colossians 3.23. I love that verse. Um, It does, you know, serve as a good heart check and, um, you know, what's your intentions in Mm -hmm. doing everything. But this one, as a child, it would motivate us to, like, sweep the floor well. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And one little funny thing, um, and my my siblings uh, will definitely get a laugh out of this, but she would put on the record player this song by Shirley Caesar called No Charge. And it's the child's guilt trip of a lifetime. So anybody, check it out when you get a chance and, and just consider me. 
okay? As a child standing at this record player listening <laughs> to this song while my mom's just standing there and we're like, oh. I'm going to listen to it. <laughs> take a listen, yes. Um, other foundational uh, verses for us is uh, creating me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me, Psalm 5110. And um, it's just like a refreshing uh, life-giving prayer to come back to constantly. Um, one of the ones that she assigned me is, this is my commandment that ye love one another as I have loved you, John fifteen twelve. Now, was she speaking <clears throat> that over you or was that... Uh was that she saw that you needed to cultivate? I feel like she was speaking that over me. Okay. Yeah. Um, another one was, was be still and know that I am God. I will mm. be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. Uh, Psalm 46, 10. And that one, I don't know. There's a lot of facets to that verse. Like even to this day, like the whole be still and, um, yeah, it's that's still pretty pretty cool verse, pretty packed verse for me. Yeah, and yeah. even in light of this story, you know, you just realize like he'll be exalted. Mm. Um, yes, and so that's just a an, an interesting uh, verse in light of yeah. of this. That's and he true. is, yeah, yeah. Well, um, the last question that I have for you is. What do you see as your strength as a mom? And then how did you see your mom cultivate that in you? I do feel like that sense of oneness and togetherness mm. um, came from her with my family, me and my kids. Um, just getting together and talking, you know, um, maybe her her emotional language wasn't the same as kind of what we know now as a generation Mm -hmm. um the more therapy you know like I do that more with my kids um my mom you know she didn't um it was it was about the word but even in that beautiful exchange um it it was an examination of our own hearts each of us as kids Mm -hmm. so that's something that you know um otherwise we wouldn't have known like let the word kind of examine your heart massage your heart and um, and then seeing her being broken and imperfect, um, and still there, you know, kind of eliminated that whole, uh, shame factor that, mm. you know, that's enough of a struggle, even with seeing that example in her. Um, but, you know, now, like I said, as I get older, I look back and I'm like, you know, she could have been feeling shame, but it doesn't matter because she was there. She showed up yeah. and, um, that's something that I would want to show my, you know, t- exemplify for my kids, for them to just show up, you know, don't be ashamed to show up uh, before God, you know, um, in the church body, you know, when even when you don't maybe feel like everything's going well, you don't feel the most comfortable or, you know, you have issues in yourself, you have issues with other people, like you can still show up, you can make that decision and then see what God does because he is good. He's faithful. He will work it out. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, another thing I saw all through our childhood is that he's going to work it out and he's going to grow us. We're not going to be in the same place, you know, if we're continually like, trusting him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing this story about your mom. And I just love um, the legacy that she left of leaning in, like leaning towards yeah. each other and towards the Lord. And I just think um, you just really honored her 
uh, with mm. your story. So thanks for sharing it. Oh, thanks for having me. Don't forget to stick around for our second story. I think you're really going to enjoy it. Today, I have Mandy Kilgore with me. I met Mandy um, about eight months ago um, when she was uh, working at a hospital that my husband was at, but she is doing something a little different right now. Would you be willing to tell um, our listeners what, what you're up to? Yeah. After I graduated college, I did a complete 360 flip on career choices and went from nursing to teaching. So now I'm actually a middle school PE teacher and I absolutely love every single second of it. So it was a big shift for you on um, how satisfied you were with your job? Yes. Moving. Nursing, especially during the pandemic, I was like, this is not for me. I need happiness and kids and sports. And I was set. That's awesome. Mandy brought a story to share with us about her mom for Mother's Day. And I was wondering if you'd be willing to read that now. Yeah, of course. Um my mom is actually who inspired me to be a teacher um, when I was graduating and, you know, trying to figure out where I should work, what kind of job I should get with my degree. I was like, none of these sound interesting to me at all. And my mom was like, you know, you know, God wants you to be a teacher, right? And I was like, what? like, <laughs> no, that's what you want for me because that's what you are. And she's like, no, I promise you, you are made to be a teacher. And so I was like, what is the possibility that I could do that? You know, flip around my degree and credits and all that jazz. And she was like, I promise you that if it was meant to be, God will make a way. And God sure made a way very quickly. Um, but it was because of my mom that I was like, you know, teaching does sound like a great, great degree to me. Or not degree, profession. Um, and definitely something I'd want to pursue just um, as the example that she set for me for teaching, specifically, um, she's known all around our, we work in the same district now, so that's um, kind of cute too, but she's known all around the district as one of the most generous, gracious, and giving people. They know that, you know, when you hear the name Debbie Kilgore, you know, she truly cares for the students. She's not just there to get a paycheck and leave. She's there to take care of them not only in the classroom, but outside of the classroom as well. And her most notable experience was when she was at one of the elementary schools down there. And she herself um, outsourced for all of these donations for a clothes closet because um, she started noticing little kids down there, you know, didn't have, you know, their uniforms, their pants, and even down to socks and underwear. And she's like, that, you know, that's just not right. And so she found a way to get all these donations so that every kid, no matter what they needed, socks, shoes, pants, shirts, any of that, um, they could come to her closet. There it was a big closet, actually. It was kind of like a room and get taken care of. And they knew she would take care of them and set them all up. Um, that not only went from clothes, but that became an even bigger thing to coats. She did a survey around the school to figure out, you know, do you have a winter coat at home? Do you have access to a coat? And the results were so surprising. She was like, this is horrible. Like, we need to do something. Every kid needs a coat, especially living in, you know, the Midwest. You definitely need a coat. Misery is what we call it. Yeah, <laughs> especially in the winter, you know. So she turned the coat closet drive into a coat drive and made sure every kid had a coat. Well, then she started thinking, you know, you need more than a coat to stay warm. So she asked them, what about blankets? Do you guys have blankets at home? And 
same results. They, a lot of kids didn't have a blanket and they're like, you know, I'm actually kind of cold at night, you know, going to sleep and stuff. So she made sure every kid got a blanket in the school. And then blankets went from, do you guys have a bed? And that was the most disheartening thing I think we've ever heard was some of these kids had never had a bed before. Mm -hmm. And she found different organizations and groups and churches, especially that were willing to donate enough money so that she could do bed drives for the kids. And me and my brother actually got to go and help on some of those. And um, it was so satisfying, so joyful to see the families come. And a lot of them said, this is the first bed that will be in our house. Like, oh, wow. I know. And it was just crazy. And, you know, it just shows how relentless my mom is in taking care of people, not just our family, but, you know, kids in the community and their families. And, you know, she was worried about more than just us. In listening to this, I'd be curious, where do you think your mom's passion for taking care of people came from? I think it definitely came from her mom, for sure. Mm. Um, Both of them have been the best examples for, you know, nurturing, loving people, but um, they're also the ones that would drop anything to help somebody else, especially before them themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, my mom's teaching career doesn't even begin to describe her as a person. Um, as I've grown into an adult, our relationship has completely changed. Um, as I've matured and I don't need so much as a, you know, a mother to guide me, but I need a friend to support me. And that's exactly what she's turned into. And, you know, we butt heads still a lot about some of the decisions, but ultimately I know she is always there supporting me, encouraging me, um, especially when I need advice. She's the first person I turn to. And I know um, just in the way that she has brought me and my brother up, uh, specifically, with our religious lives, she has taught me that, you know, the world may leave us empty, but there's only one person that we can fully rely on when, whenever we need anything, whenever we need someone to turn to, you know, um, and so that she's done a lot. (laughs) Well, um, when you were talking about your mom, you had said that, um, she takes time to get to know, you know, the kids that, um, that she's supplying and um, things for. And you said something like she makes a big deal about their story. And uh-huh. how does she do that? How do you see that in her life? Like what um, is it just her um, getting to know them? Is it um, how do you see that playing out for her? Um, I've actually seen it, you know, happen with my own eyes. And if you know my mother, you know, she's a talker for sure. Um, and especially with kids, it's interesting to see her because she, you can tell her heart is just 100% in it. And so the kids, when she's, she's a specifically a instructional coach, reading teacher. So she, Mm -hmm. she has more, um, one-on-one time with kids instead of a big classroom setting. So, you know, they may be reading Curious George or whatever books they teach them on. But then my mom's like, you know, Curious George has a shirt on in here. Do you have, do you have extra clothes at home? Do you have, Curious George might be, oh, he looks pretty warm in his bed. Do you have a bed to be warm? You know, she kind of beats around the bush trying to figure it out. So it's not like. Oh, she's not making them ashamed. Yeah, exactly. And that was the whole point of the clothes closet was to be discreet enough that, you know, kids are brutal to each other. They'll, 
you know, bully each other for all that. So she made it very clear, like, just come into my room whenever you need something. I'll be there, get you all set up, and get you right on back to class. And, oh, wow. Yeah, so. I love that. Yeah, that that's awesome. And I think kids probably will remember how she made them feel. Oh, yeah. So. We still run into kids sometimes um, that remember both of my parents from, you know, this or that school. Like, they've been in the district so long. And it's always like, oh, man, like, you were the best. You know, you really cared for us. You know, I miss you. Wish you were still a part of my life. And so it's really encouraging to hear. I hope that I can have that big of an impact on my students one day. Yeah. Well, the the last question I had is, what is the strength that you see in your life that you think your mom cultivated? Ooh, that's a good one. I would definitely say uh, resilience, just in the way that my mom always found a way to make things work out, mm-hmm. whether it was financially or, you know, emotionally, physically. It was never a dead end with her. So when I felt like I was in a dead end of my life, she was like, no, let's sit down. I, you know, we'll pray about it. We'll figure out all these different ways you can take. Like you are not stuck there. You are not, you do not have to give up here. Um, and she is actually one of the people that supported me and encouraged me through a very dark time in my life and brought me, you know, back to life, basically mm-hmm. feelings wise in a sense. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, definitely resilience. Well, that's awesome. Well, um, thank you for sharing that story about your mom. And I just wanted to say to you is that I can see you advocating for people. Um, I was just thinking about how you advocated for John um, when he was in the hospital. And I see you bringing up what your mom and your grandmother started and just continuing that on. So I just am excited for the legacy that you guys are are leaving and the impact that you're making on our community. Yeah. I hope to be half the woman that she is someday. So I hope by, you know, watching her and taking notes from her and learning from her that I can get to that at some point. I have no doubt that you will be. (laughs) So thank you for being here. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Graceway's She Is podcast. We pray that today's episode encouraged you and gave you hope for your own journey. Be sure to subscribe to get notified about future episodes. 